0: Mindfulness Mode 458.
1: We need to start to think about what are the principles underlying leadership that can be effective for both men and women without privileging one over the other.
0: Welcome back to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Langford, host and Mindfulness Life Coach. Great to have you here. Have you ever thought of having a podcast of your own? It's very, very interesting. Lots of fun. You meet so many people, at least you do when you interview people like I do. Anyway, if you ever thought of this, you just need to know that you do need a place for your podcast to live. And for me, that place is Podbean. And it is really a terrific host. It's been around for over 10 years. Great pricing. It's a very reasonable uh, way to get your podcast moving, get it going. And they're so helpful over there at Podbean. And it's only $9 a month no matter how much content you upload. And you can get a free month if, if you uh, use my affiliate link. Just go to podbean.com slash podbeanmm. Now, today, I am featuring a woman who is a professor at a university in Rhode Island. And it was such a pleasure to talk to this guest. And one of her specific areas of interest is women's leadership. And she wrote a paper on that, which I read and we talk about a little bit in the show. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Dr. Nancy Gordon. Well, today, Mindful Tribe, we are going to be talking about leadership. We're going to be talking about women and leadership. And I'm very honored to have this special guest on today from Salve Regina University in Rhode Island. I have Dr. Nancy Gordon. Dr. Gordon, are you in mindfulness mode today?
1: Indeed, I am. Hello.
0: Hello. So great to have you here. And we were just talking about your beautiful campus, Salve Regina University Campus in Rhode Island. Tell us what it looks like. What is the beauty like?
1: Well, first of all, we're on the Atlantic Ocean. So you look out and what you can see is blue ocean sky. And probably think about where would you be if you were flying to Martha's Vineyard or Nantucket or England or Portugal? So we're really at the end of, of Rhode Island. We have a magnificent campus. I mean, it's, it's been voted one of the most beautiful in the United States. So we have a combination of old mansions that we use and some newer buildings. So that it's just, and it's on a... Very small little part of Newport in a neighborhood area. So it's just really every day, it's how can I be so excited to be coming to work? Wow. We all feel that way.
0: And it sounds like a perfect place to practice mindfulness.
1: Oh, all I have to do is just think about I need to get outside. I need to take a walk. I need the ocean, which I need all the time. I've tried living away from it and I cannot. I need to be on the ocean. It fulfills me. So, we all feel that way. We just walk around campus and it makes you feel very happy. People here are very pleasant with each other. I mean, you know, it's a university, it has its other parts, but it's a wonderful environment.
0: Wow, it sounds just just great.
1: It is, it really is. And my classes, several of them, are on the ocean side. So, there are times where I'm just, I start my class with a meditation of the ocean, you know. Sometimes it's wild, sometimes it's calm, sometimes it's in between, sometimes the wind is whipping through the, the windows, and that all becomes part of the classroom.
0: Wow, you've painted a beautiful, beautiful picture. Dr. Gordon, tell us what mindfulness means to you in your life.
1: I think the best way for me to describe it is it's a process. So it's a process of getting to focus and awareness and presence first in my own life. And then how to be more effective from that place of presence as I do my work outside of myself. So when I say it's a process, I don't have one specific way I do it. I try to figure out where am I personally in this moment of time and space? What do I need to do to myself to get myself back into some kind of balance? I'm looking at maybe I need movement. Maybe I need a meditation. Maybe I need a visualization maybe I just need to lie on the floor. So I have to start there to figure that out. So that's that's part of the process I use. So for me, getting to that place and then finding myself in harmony is when I can then go out and do my work. That's pretty much what it means.
0: Well, Dr. Gordon, I want to share a little bit more with Mindful Tribe about you. You're a leadership expert and you're on a mission to create or to recreate our understanding of the human experience. And Dr. Gordon is passionate about helping people understand how to implement planetary and personal change. And I had the pleasure of reading her most recently published work, which is Women and Leadership, an Integrative Focus on Equality. And it was really interesting reading that. And let's just talk about what brought you to the point where you ended up writing that paper.
1: Yes, I um Salve has a a women in leadership, not and not women in leadership, but a journal on feminist thought, an interdisciplinary journal. And they were doing a whole section on leadership and women in leadership actually in 2013. And a colleague said to me, You need to write an article for this. So I began to research. Women and leadership. The leadership piece, I obviously I have in my back pocket. It's something I've been thinking about for years and years. But I wanted to think about how to write about women in leadership. And as I said to you a few minutes ago, I'm interested in balance and focus and harmony. I'm also interested in effectiveness and in, in systems. And what does it mean to have an integrated approach to whatever we're doing? So I'm always looking at. How do we integrate people, systems, now, of course, the planet? How do we think about those things? So that's basically how I I came to it. I'm also, I've studied Chinese history and philosophy and began to think, oh, my goodness, I really need to bring that back into this this focus. And that's how it all started.
0: Very interesting. And you talk about how we are at a crossroads right now. Can you talk about that with us?
1: Yes, I think when I wrote it, I was talking about a lot of what's going on nationally and internationally in terms of making decisions about integration and equality and focus. And where are we going? How are we setting our policy and our procedures for a more equitable, I was thinking society at that time. And I was also thinking internationally with what was going on, the violence in the world violence that's going on daily in our own country and how can we start to think about it from a very different perspective because the other piece for me is mindfulness is about letting go of mindlessness really understanding that our perceptions and the way we see the world has a great deal to do with the way we act and I wanted people to start to think about well perhaps there's other ways to think about things There's other ways to see and be and learn about approaches that may make us more effective as a society and a nation and then a planet. So those are some of the background thoughts that I was working with. And I had been doing a lot of this kind of leadership work of fusion leadership and balanced leadership and, and really thinking about how to affect change in a very real way. Our tagline for our leadership program is the world is changing. Lead it. So that's kind of where I was. Does that answer your question?
0: Yes, it does. And in the paper, you discuss the difference between leadership of women, leadership of men, and whether or not there is a difference.
1: Yes. So let's talk about that. There's a lot of discussion about it. You get the whole group that says, nope, there's no difference at all. It's you get into the position. There's the whole other group that says women women lead differently from men. So I don't fall anywhere on that on the scale. I say it's really contextual. We need to start to think about what are the principles underlying leadership that can be effective for both men and women without privileging one over the other. So I guess when you read that, you could see that that's pretty much my point throughout the whole thing stop thinking about it as either or. Start to think about it as both and. And what do we need to do if we're thinking about it from a both and perspective? How do we change the way we see it? Leadership has been command and control, and that's been the theory for years. And then there's been a whole other host of of theory that's come out and said, no, it's got to be participation. And that's been a constant conflict. I'm saying, no, let's stop conflicting over theory and really think about what do we need for practice and action.
0: And one of your conclusions is that for a sustainable future, gender equality is vital. Why is that true?
1: Well, number one, that's half of the world's population. And we need to stop privileging sort of a male-dominated approach to leadership, which is going to help us think about things from a whole other perspective. Leadership comes in many forms. There's been lots of traditions in the early American and a lot of international sort of other cultures that look at it. from. Leadership comes from within. You don't call yourself forward and say, I'm the leader. What happens is your clan, your tribe says to you, you must go forward and lead for this moment then you will come back and be part of us again. So you must be careful about the way you lead. And in many ways, that's the both and. To be called from the group and say, now you will lead, takes a different perspective. It says, I must think about it from the point of view of service. And I must think about it from the point of view of what what are the principles that help us focus on integration And that's a combination of both feminine and masculine, not gender, but principles. That's how I got to where I got to. Thinking about it, if you think about it as principles, you think about it out of the space of male, female. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. Dr. Gordon, when did it first become apparent to you that you would be a leader in the world?
1: That is so interesting. I I was a shy person for the longest time. Speaking out publicly was something that frightened me. And every time that happened, I found myself in a position where I had to speak publicly. So early on in the Vietnam War, I began to work with a group of advertising agents. We were trying to form a community to talk about what are the effects of war. And I found myself being the spokesperson. So I was publicly speaking about that. Then I decided to go back to school and found myself in all kinds of jobs where I was facilitating groups. And you have to be a public speaker to be able to facilitate groups. So I had to get over all of that and realize I have the capacity to lead. I like to vision. I see visioning as a part of all the work I do. And so then I began to train others to think in terms of visualization and visioning and divide then I design processes to help people make vision concrete so over it more and more I guess I should say like sort of it became a growth process where I became a leader in just about wherever I was then I came to Salve and the then director of one of our counseling programs said that eventually he'd like to see a new, a new pathway through the counseling program that included folks that were doing more, more work outside in leadership. Why don't I begin to think about designing that? So I not only then was leading, but I was designing programs and courses to bring leadership into the Salve community. Uh, my own doctoral background is about leadership, but it's also about change and it's also about public policy. So I began to think, how do I combine all that?
0: And so those early years of leadership and as you were finding your way, tell us about any challenges you had with the male-dominated world of leadership back then.
1: I had tons. Number one, I'm short. (laughs) I'm not I'm not a tall person. So there were, you know, when you think about how we perceive we make immediate judgments in the social science world. It's called the leap of imagine of imagination. We go our abstraction. We go right into a mental model. And from there, we judge exactly what we see as if that's the only way things could be. So I was constantly having to prove myself. And the comments that used to come to me were, Do you really think like a man. And that was considered a compliment. I had to unwind all of that and realize, well, maybe at first it was, well, yeah, that is a compliment. And then after that, it was, no, that's not a compliment. <laughs> that is not, I have to really challenge all that. Right. So I found myself challenging a lot of the, the sort of mental models that existed around women, around leadership, around change, around social change. And it was a constant, a const, always a constant challenge until I sort of grew into my own self.
0: Dr. Gordon, what was a day in your life like when you were seven years old? Were there signs of this leadership ability back then?
1: That's an interesting question. I was the oldest of four. Okay. So right away, I was thrust into that position almost immediately. By the age of seven, two of my next siblings were born. The Final one didn't come for another few years. And I was put in charge, literally. So there I was, you know, at age seven, thinking I'm, I'm the queen bee of this family, which is not necessarily true, but that was kind of my mental model at the time. So that was my first experience with it. And then high school, I needed to do all kinds of things, clubs and things like that. So that's another place that I found myself sort of walking into. The, the leadership kind of positions, although I wouldn't have called it that at that age of time.
0: Right. But looking back, you can see that looking it was.
1: Back, yeah. Right. And also thinking about growing up that way. I don't think my siblings would agree with that, but that's where I was at that age.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where are we going now? You still feel we're at a pivotal point. How can we manage as we move through these challenges that we're going through?
1: That is the question, isn't it? Yes. That is really, I think it has to happen on several levels. The first level is we need to find ourselves. We need to find who we are. How do we organize and orient ourselves to navigate through our own lives? That's the first thing. So that we understand that we are. when we fall back into mindlessness, we can move back into mindfulness or really what we're calling presence and awareness and focus and be really careful of our thoughts, because our thoughts are powerful, even if we're sitting in our own living room. So that's the first place I think we have to begin. And when the challenges come from outside, monitor our own reactions, because we've all got them right now. We're terribly divided and polarized across our country, across the world. And part of that is starting to see in our own mind, this can be changed we can start to work towards a different world. Salve's mission is to work for a world that is harmonious, merciful, and just. And those are principles that guide the the university. And I like to think that we can really work for that kind of a world, but we need to know who we are inside. And then we need to just start wherever we can, wherever we are in our own lives. What can we do to make things better? And then those of us that see from a larger perspective, that see the connections between the individual, the group, the large system and the planet, we need to constantly be remembering to make our contributions on all those levels. I don't know. Honestly, I'm hoping that's where we go.
0: Right. Dr. Gordon, I've worked in the field of bullying prevention for some time. Were you ever bullied? We talked specifically a few minutes ago about some of your challenges, but were there ever any real specific situations where you were bullied in your life?
1: Well, you know, that bullying comes in many forms. It does. It does. And since I'm, I'm an educator, and I was thinking about this as I was coming on your show, one interesting thing that happened to me was a different kind of bullying. I was invited to go speak at a health center, ostensibly around all the programs that were running in my department. And I walked in the door. It was winter, it was cold. I had been teaching the night before, and I'm not even in the door yet. And the director of the program, who I thought had invited, looks at me. Doesn't invite me in, basically says, you know, I hate holistic. Now my program is holistic leadership, holistic counseling. We have holistic graduate studies, and in my mind, I'm okay, Uh you know, this my head is going, why am I here? My heart is going, this guy is trying to one-up me. Yeah. And my mind is going, I'm ready to leave. (laughs) You know? Uh But having taught people we have to stay centered in the midst of chaos. I just stood there and I looked at him and I said, "Okay." I decided I'm going to one up this too and not try to in any way change the situation, but to see where the situation would go. So finally, he realized he was not being polite and he invited me in and I took my coat off and we sat down and I realized he was showing off for the folks around him. And a lot of academics do that, you know or people who think you're, you're highly academic and they have to show you how smart they are. Right. So we sat down and it was pretty tense for a minute. And then he invited me to have a cup of coffee. And I looked at him, I said, I would love a cup of coffee. I have been up late. He looks at his staff and he goes, she likes coffee. <laughs> and that was what broke the ice. <laughs> the image, I think, of holism is I'm not going to drink coffee. I'm not going to be happy there. I'm, I'm coming to criticize what they're doing when in essence, that was not my point at all. So I don't know if that's bullying. It was bullying to me in that moment.
0: Right. So interesting. Yes. As we move forward, Dr. Gordon, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Just 30 second okay. answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life?
1: My husband. He's been a really steady influence, both in tracking when I'm off and helping me always with a helping hand when I'm off. And, and also highly honest about where I am in my life. We are with each other. We're very lucky that way. And the work he does is awareness work. So I have that background with him as well.
0: That's great. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Dr. Gordon?
1: I'd say hugely, because when I first started, I started meditating with TM. And then from there, I moved into more meditation and action and then into some of the martial arts and then into sort of movement in general. And what I began to notice is Places, like I just described, where I walked into that scene and someone was trying to one-up me, I could monitor where my emotions were without getting into And so mindfulness has really helped me be able to to monitor, regulate, and also observe at the witness level. Where am I? How am I dealing with my own emotions? Because they're there. You know, and that's the other thing. I was able to recognize it's okay to have them. You know, they're there. Whatever you're feeling, that's what you're feeling. But you don't have to act on it.
0: Yeah, so true. So true. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness.
1: Breathing is life. So when I first started TM, TM does not focus on breathing. And some of the meditations and action don't either. But what I've discovered is those things that work for me now, some of the visualization, awareness through movement, they all start with, how are you breathing? How is breathing? How are you breathing when you're moving? How are you, when you move, are you breathing in or are you holding your breath? So that you get a way then to begin to monitor as I'm moving through my life and navigating it. Am I holding my breath? Am I working my breath? And then I can always stop and say, I need to take three deep breaths. And so I would say right now, breathing is mon- it's just about monitoring everything I'm doing.
0: Right. Well...
1: It's just reminding me to breathe. Yes.
0: Yes. We all have to be reminded <laughs> once in a while, that's for sure. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be?
1: Can I recommend a couple? Yes. Okay. Well, I think for those who are academics in your world, my, um, Ellen Langer's Mindfulness is great. Yes. It's, um, she's gone deeply from that book into how to how it works in in many, many systems and and with people and all kinds of social issues. But that first book where she just where she really tracks the difference between mindlessness and mindfulness is a wonderful book. Uh, Anything by Thich Nhat Hanh, but especially I would think anything on that he writes about mindfulness. He also has a wonderful it's called mindful movements and so it moves outside of the intellectual gives you 10 really easy movements that you can you can use you can get that online you can buy the book you can buy the video i think those are just fabulous and then just coincidentally and accidentally i discovered um a little thing called mindfulness journal um I had, I just accidentally found it, but it's a way for your listeners to be able to track themselves through their day. So it starts with um, how are you feeling each day? There's, there's a section, how are you feeling? What are you grateful for? What do you need to do during the day? Who will you need to help? And then there's always a quote. And then at night, what did you do? Who are you grateful for? What took your energy away? So after a while, you can begin to kind of track your own mindfulness. So those are, those are very different approaches.
0: That's excellent. Are there any apps you recommend, Dr. Gordon, for mindfulness? Well,
1: I know that there's the, the some of them I've looked at, like Headspace and Calm. For me, what I think I love to go deeper than that, to just go online and, and say, I need mindfulness music and work with that, and also Stephen Halpern's work. He's done a lot of research on moving between the, all the stages of, that we get to to get to the, the Delta border, and his work really hits me. He has, he has all kinds of work from um, his first was called Spectrum Suite, which I guess is what he did his doctoral dissertation on, but looking at how music affects the different centers of the body then there's a, about three or four of them that work with healing, which I've given to people who are in operations or self-sickness. And then music for getting beyond the into the, the delta state or the theta state. And so those are what I work with. So you don't have to pay for them or you can buy his CDs. Right. So that's kind of where I am with that.
0: Dr. Gordon, is there any way that our listeners can get a hold of the paper you've written, Women and Leadership?
1: Yes, they can go to Salve Digital Commons. Um, it's, it's online at Digital Commons. You just go to 2013, hit my name, Gordon, and you'll get to that, and it's free.
0: And I could put a link in my show notes. Is that right?
1: Sure. Yeah. And um, I can give you my... Um, my my Salve email is nancy.gordon at salve.edu.
0: Okay, and I'll repeat that. Nancy, and it's Nancy with a Y, gordon at salve, S-A-L-V-E dot E-D-U. So, yeah. yeah, go there and, you know, communicate with Dr. Gordon and share your Absolutely. thoughts. Yeah.
1: Share your thoughts also and ideas. We're going to be doing a, a leadership summit in November, the 15th, 16th, and 17th of November. Anybody interested in finding out more about what we're doing here, please let me know. Okay. And you,
0: okay, so is that an online summit, or will we be coming directly to
1: Rhode Island? Well, we're going to be directly in Rhode Island, but my group is now talking about maybe... Somehow figuring out a way to do it digitally as well.
0: Oh, How exciting. I
1: I personally like person-to-person work. Oh, I do too. (laughs) Yeah, to me, that's really, especially this kind of work, especially at Salve. Yeah. So, but more will be coming. We're in the planning stages, but that's definitely happening.
0: Well, Salve sounds like a wonderful place to be. And I want to thank you for being on the show, Dr. Gordon. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you for having me. I really feel honored that you invited me.
0: My pleasure. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash And remember, if you're thinking of launching your own podcast, you can get a free month at Podbean with its awesome pricing and fantastic stats. And uh, you can just do that by going to podbean.com slash podbeanmm standing for mindfulness mode.